You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about cookbooks and interviewing writer Sam Slaughter. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I just started a book I've been wanting to read. I mean, it just came out this year, but I added it to my um, queue really early this year. And I think it just now came from the library, but I'm very excited to read it. It's called Black Leopard, Red Wolf from the Dark Star Trilogy, the first book of that. And it's by Marlon James. James. Yeah, this is a big buzzy book. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what it's about because I just started it. And the first chapter, I will say, I can't tell you what it's about based on the first chapter. And that's pretty much all I've read. Um, it is myth, fantasy, and history come together to explore what happens when a mercenary is hired to find a missing child. Oh, I did know that. Tracker is known far and wide for his skills as a hunter. He has a nose, people say. Engaged to track down a mysterious boy who disappears three year, disappeared three years earlier, Tracker breaks his own rule of always working alone when he finds himself part of a group that comes together to search for the boy. Um, it draws on African history and mythology. People are saying it's like, um... Game of Thrones-ish, sort of. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. It's like a big, thick book. My you know, my Kindle tells me at the beginning of every book about how long it takes people to read books. And normally they're between like four and six hours. And this was 13. Wow. But I'm about to get on a plane for a long time. So I felt like it was the perfect time oh, to yeah, start Oh, yeah. You have a wicked long flight to Bulgaria. Yeah, yeah. It'll be very long. Um, yeah, that's what I'm reading. What are you reading? So uh, – w- I'm in the middle, not in the middle, I'm working on researching my new book, Girly Drinks, uh, and I've been reading tons and tons and tons of um, cuisine and drinking history, and uh, so I wanted to read something, like, give my brain a little bit of a break, and so I'm reading a nonfiction book that is appropriate for this show called Movers and Shakers by Hope Ewing, and it's about, uh, it's a book about modern women, like women right now that are in the industry, like wine industry, beer industry, cocktail industry, that are in the industry and like, you know, like, um, you know, women distillers and brewers and just like, you know, profiles of women who are working today that are changing the landscape of alcohol and Mm -hmm. the alcohol industry. And so it's very different from what girly drinks is going to be. But it's nice to like, you know, sometimes when you're researching and like the history of women drinking isn't always great, like, you know, men are shitty. Uh, So it's nice to like break that up a little bit with like reading about how women now are doing great things. That's cool. So that's Movers and Shakers by Hope Ewing. And mine is Black Leopard. Red Wolf by Marlon James. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Taylor wrote in with a hot book tip. Wow. Hot book tip. <laughs> uh, Taylor wanted to share some book tech for Kindle owners. If you have a Prime membership and own a Kindle, you have access to the Kindle Owners Lending Library, where you can check out one book a month with no due date. If it's one book a month, why wouldn't that be the due date? Oh, no. no. You can keep it as long as you want, and oh. then you can – well, I looked into this afterwards, but go and, you, uh, go ahead and finish, and I'll tell okay. you how I – because I, I was like, what the fuck? I had no idea. Uh, this is also how I've read my translated books this year. Every year for World Book Day, Amazon offers nine translated ebooks for free download. I know April has passed, but all of these books are available to borrow through the Kindle Lending Library. Amazon also has something called Amazon Crossing, which is a great way to search for translated books based on genre. Obviously, it's not an extensive list but it's a great way to start looking for translated books yeah that is cool as fuck so this blew my mind i was like wait you're telling me i could get one free book every month from this kindle lending kindle owners lending library um so i did i went and looked it up and you can just type in kindle owners lending lending library i will say like the selection it's not a lot of new things so i kind of went through and i got 
one mystery that I'm going to take on the plane. And I got another book. But so I guess when you look up books, I don't often look up books on Amazon. I'm mostly looking yeah. them up on the library. Um, but when you look on Amazon, it'll say like Kindle price, audiobook price, paperback. And then it'll also say Kindle owner lending library. And it'll say huh. like, or it'll say Kindle Prime. And then it says $0. Wow. And that's how you know you can get it. Um, I would say... You may be searching for a book on here, but I think it's more likely that you'll go look at this list and see books you want. Yes. Um, from what I could tell, there's it's just like not a lot of new books, but totally worth looking for looking at. And if you're trying to save money and you want to read, and also for me, since I'm about to travel, I was like, I'll throw a couple more books on there just to see if like I, you yeah. know, like maybe this is going to be something I enjoy, even though I've never heard of this book. So really great Fucking tip, Taylor. Thank yeah, you. I'm looking at Amazon Crossing right now. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Amazon Crossing is not the lend- lending library, by the way. I got this a little the- confused. This is like just something different where it's like, oh, here's a bunch of translated books. Yes. And it's fucking awesome. And it's all set up through genre, which is really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So we're I- trying to check out that reading glasses, check off the reading glasses uh, translated book. That's a good place to go look. Uh, Joanna wrote in and said, I've been catching up on the podcast and just heard your readerly advice for the listener whose partner gives away her books without asking and identified really hard with being attached to specific copies of physical books as I am a materialistic person with a long memory for a provenance of everything I own. Uh, reminder, Mallory, this is the person who was like, my boyfriend gives away my books or my partner gives away my books without asking, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, This story brought up a very specific incident for me. Senior year of college, I lent, with permission, my mom's copy of a book my friend wanted to read. She didn't finish it by the time we graduated and ended up taking it home with her to her mom's house. Not an issue. We mail each other stuff all the time. However, when she moved out, she forgot the book. So she asked her mom to mail it back to me. Her mom refused, saying it was cheaper. This is such a... Such a mom thing. (laughs) Her review saying it was cheaper to just order a copy online and have it sent to me, which she did. I wasn't super comfortable with Obviously, this. Obviously, this mom hasn't heard of media mail. Yeah. Again, materialistic and also not my book. And when the book arrived, it was totally different, kind of crappier edition. My mom was clearly not pleased. Oh, can you imagine if someone sent you the movie tie-in edition as a replacement? <laughs> my mom was not pleased because we're almost the same person and she has the same feelings about physical ownership of books as me and Mallory probably and wanted <laughs> her actual copy back. This is to say that some of us are just very attached to our physical books and just want our moms happy. I feel like this is a family thing and Mallory thing. I don't totally I understand totally, it. I totally understand this. If someone had borrowed a book and sent a replacement that was a shittier version, ugh. Uh, I don't understand because I actually don't think it'd be cheaper to buy a book. That's than what to I, mail I, a book. I. Well, if it was like on Amazon, it was like one ninety nine. Send her a use. They probably sent her yeah, a used copy. You're probably right. But this, like, again, I don't think this mom has ever heard of media mail. It is it a lazy a mom. Minute. It's a dick. It does take a minute to go. Or a lazy kid. Why'd the kid not send it? It's not the mom's responsibility. Fair enough. This kid. That should, child should have sent it. Get, got that book they're, back. They're in college. You have time. Yeah. (laughs) So Kate wrote in with a wheelhouse that is strong but flawed women, high fantasy, introspection, spookiness, all in your head type spooky is my favorite sort. From the viewpoint of marginalized people, fiction or not, wonderfully scary, overgrown environment, ghosty shit. (laughs) Oh, no, the world is trying to kill us. (laughs) Old magic and ancient wisdom. Wow. These are that's basically my wheelhouse. This is great. Oh, man. There's a show on Amazon right now. Or on something. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a show on HBO right now called Los Spookies. Los Spookies? Ugh, it's very funny. The Spookies? Uh-huh. It's in Spanish. What is it about? The people who are just really interested in making horror. They want to make like haunted house kind of stuff. 
And there's just one part where one guy goes, are you talking about spooky stuff? <laughs> and it, it, it's translated. So I read it and I could not stop laughing. Can we have a screenshot of that? Because that's me. And are, you you talking in, about, are you talking about spooky stuff? That's and me. Then the other, and then the other one nutshell. goes, just have a chocolate. <laughs> that is me. That Bria. That is the perfect encapsulation of our friendship. It's. It really, truly is. It's very funny. Anybody looking who likes spooky stuff and is looking for a TV show. I wish I spoke Spanish and could watch it in actually speak the language. It was. Made if me someone laugh. out there has seen it and can make a gif of that exchange and send it to us, you will be my fucking hero. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about cookbooks, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by Lola. You know what really cuts into your reading time? Having to go to the store and buy tampons from that giant wall with like 5 million different kinds of tampons. And it's like being in Ollivander's wizard wand store and you can't figure out which one's the one that you should get but lola takes care of all of that for you lola is a modern approach to feminine care it's a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons pads liners and all natural cleansing wipes unlike other major brands lola products are 100 percent natural and easy to feel good about no bs mystery fibers or doubts about what's going on in your body plus the really super cool part Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. And they offer complete transparency about the organic ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. The subscription is fully customizable, so you get to choose whatever you want. You know, choose your mix of tampons, pads, whatever you need. And you also get to choose your delivery schedule. You can change it, you can skip it for a month, or you can cancel your subscription anytime. And you can do good with your purchase. For every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. And so for 40% off all subscriptions, that's almost half. That's a lot. You can visit mylola.com and enter glasses when you subscribe. Glasses. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create okay. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine. Because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday, right here on MaximumFun.org, as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. This week, it's all about cookbooks. We've gotten a lot of fan mail hoping for a cookbook episode so here it is we got some hope we have some happy listeners today books that teach you how to cook or prepare recipes for anything consumable in bria's case actual meals and food in my case cocktails bria what are your favorite cookbooks i love a cookbook i love a cookbook i have a lot of them i use them all the time there are many i've been moving from house to house for years and you know i don't like moving books you do not. but i will move my cookbooks i think it's interesting that this might be the only kind of book that you have a ton of physical ones yes yeah. well because in cookbook form, you want the photos, 
there's two reasons I like it. I like the photos, which don't translate as well to an ebook. Like, ugh, I would never even bother. Yeah. I do use them. I do use um, a uh, recipe tracker app on my computer. It's called Paprika. Someone's going to ask. Uh, I do enjoy it. It's like 20 bucks worth every penny. Uh, <laughs> but I also, the, the cookbooks are really helpful because they're physical and I can write in them. Yeah. And so I always write like, my recipes all have like little, I learned this from my mom, like little like, this is great, or you need five more minutes on this, or like, this doesn't quite work, like try this next time. So I write in all my cookbooks. Um, there's one I've been carrying around, not a joke. I, I was trying to think of when I got it, and I think I've been carrying it around for 20 years, probably my oldest cookbook. It's called wow. The New Farm Vegetarian Cookbook. It was a requirement cookbook for all vegans and punk kids since... The early 2000s, but I think it came out in like the 70s. Wow. Um, I took it from a free box at the time. It said to someone with a home. I've held on to it ever since. That's so adorable. It still stays on the top to someone for someone with a home. That's amazing. Um, it has a recipe for a vegan cheese sauce. This is like way before veganism was even slightly popular. So it was like the only vegan cookbook forever. Wow. Like this was the book you went and everyone owned and we would like go and get recipes out of there. Um, my two favorite cookbook authors uh, are Chloe Cuscarelli and um, Isa Chandra Moskowitz, um, and I tend to buy everything they do. Um, Chloe has Chloe won. Well, first of all, her father Don Coscarelli was on our show. Yes, uh, he's a horror movie filmmaker and also wrote a great book. Um, but she won Cupcake Wars or Cupcake. It was like on the Food Network, Cupcake Wars, I think it was called. And she only made vegan cupcakes. And she wow. won the first season, which is crazy. That's incredible. She also owns, or she, I don't think she's actually a part of it anymore, but she was a part of that um, restaurant by Chloe. That's her. All, that's all of her recipes. Uh, it, there's one in LA and there's a couple in New York. But um, she's great. She has great cookbooks. She just has, she has an Italian one that I'm a real big fan of. Um, she has a dessert one that's really great and she has a breakfast one that I really use a lot and then um, Isa wrote uh, Isa Isa I actually don't know how to say her name uh, I would wrote, say Isa is it uh, wrote uh, the Veganomicon which I use a lot she, she I used to a, use that cookbook quite a bit actually it's a good one she wrote a bunch like in the early 2000s that I used too like um, I think she wrote this book called Garden of Vegan there's a couple other like good vegetarian ones um, and but Particularly the Veganomicon, I feel like has a lot of good stuff, not complicated. That's what I like about Chloe's too. Chloe's is basically all of her books are like stuff you kind of already have in your kitchen. You don't have to go buy agar agar flakes or something that are like (laughs) that is going to make someone else freaked out. I own agar agar flakes, but like most people are going to be like too complicated, you know. And those two, I feel like, don't use a lot of complicated stuff. Uh, What about you? Do you have um, what are your favorite cookbooks? So I will say, before I start, I used to own some vegan cookbooks uh, that I would try to make food from, but it is just a lost cause. Cooking stresses me out, and I fucking hate doing it, and I have so many friends. Uh, My very close friend, uh, author Sarah Gailey, uh, comes over and is always trying to show me how to make food, and I'm like, Sarah, you don't get it. I I just don't want to cook. If I... It's fair. I just don't like it. It's just... You know that gif on Twitter of that like blonde woman who's like trying to do math in her head? Yeah, yeah. That's like me every time I try to make food. I just like when I go when I go grocery shopping, I just want to like eat raw carrots and tuna from a can and bourbon. Like that's all <laughs> I want. But what's weird about it is I fucking love cocktail books. Hmm. Like I'm like, oof, spending ten minutes making food, terrible. But I will spend an entire afternoon like boiling down a specific kind of rosemary infused simple syrup for a cocktail. Yeah, interesting. Do not know why. I don't know. Maybe it's because it makes me feel like I'm making like potions or mud pies from when I was a kid. Yeah, that's why I like cooking. 
But because there's like a creativity slash science to it. I think maybe because I'm a germaphobe and I'm like, oh, alcohol's fine because if there's any germs, yeah. it's just gonna get killed. Um, but I never understood how people could just like look through and read cookbooks. Like I've seen people who are just like, oh, just like flipping through a cookbook. Oh, I do too. I love it. And I never understood it until I fell in love with cocktails. And now mm. I could just sit there and read through cocktail recipes. Like I am on tons of mailing lists for like Imbibe magazine, and I just like love look- looking through cocktail recipes. And so my favorite cocktail book ever is the one that I learned from. Uh, it's the Death and Co. cocktail book. Death and Co. is a cocktail bar in New York City that was really part of like the recent cocktail renaissance. Renaissance. Um, and has a gr- what I love about it is it's multi-part and has a great overview in the beginning of like how to make cocktails, what goes into a cocktail, what all the barware is, like what different liquors are, along with a bunch of classic cocktail recipes. And then at the back, it has a p- bunch of original recipes from their bar. I will say... Up until the original recipes part, it's a great place for beginners. But all their original recipes are like you need pecan infused bourbon, and you like you need all these like extremely fancy liqueurs that most people won't have. Um, the Smuggler's Cove cocktail book is the same way, but it's with tiki drinks. It's also fantastic. Uh, but so, Brie, do you like reading books about food or cookbooks that like have history or memoir parts to them? Yep. I like food. food I like food, reading food. about it. <laughs> um, Give me a food story. Um, I pull a lot of recipes from the internet. There's a lot of blogging ones where people are like, today I did this and here's my recipe and I'm not not as interested in that. I want to get to the recipes. But I like a book if I'm picking it up and it's about food. And um, a, a book I talk about a lot uh, on this show is that book Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara, Barbara Kinsolver yes. about her trying to grow everything she ate and it changed my life. It made me think completely differently about food. It made me think completely differently about it made me learn to garden. It made me think about uh, buying locally and like just a lot of interesting things that I was like, oh, I can be contributing in my small way to certain things in a way that I should think about more. Um, I loved that book, Kitchen Confidential, Anthony Bourdain's book. Um, it was amazing. Um I was going to recommend Sweet Better and realized it's a not a memoir but a fiction book, but it yeah. is also great by uh, Stephanie. Oh, I, I just remember. read it. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Isn't that a show now? It's a show now. Yeah, I literally thought I read it and I thought it was a memoir. That's How funny. weird is that? Um, and then I love Michael Pollan's food writing. He has a book called In Defense of Food, um, and I often go to his – I look up his recipes because his books were so inspiring. He has the whole thing about simplicity in food. Um, he wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma, mm. which I feel like he wrote that, and then a few years later he wrote In Defense of Food, and people were like – after he wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma, he was like, well, what are we supposed to? People were like, what are we supposed to eat? We can't eat anything. You just told us we can't eat anything. And his whole thing is um, – you should not – he had like – he came up with actual rules for like what is good for you to eat. And it was like eat food, not too much, mostly vegetables, food defining, meaning like don't eat anything your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. By the way, I break these rules constantly. Um, but I think that it was really interesting and really educational for me. Um, and then a book that was a big influence on me like in the 90s, I guess, probably is when it came out. Maybe it came out in early 2000s was um, Fast Food Nation. Oh. Uh, scary. Real look at the American diet. Uh, great book. I feel like there are a lot of books in the early 2000s that I read really shaped how I ended up eating. I know I, I talk a lot about how much chocolate I eat and how many snacks I eat, but as a person, you're I'm, very healthy. I'm, I eat very healthy. You are probably the healthiest person I know. I think you have to eat all the chocolate to balance it all out. Yeah, I have to. I'm like it's like I'm, my body needs a certain amount of sugar because it's like you've only eaten healthy stuff all day. So I eat pretty healthy, and I think these books sort of influenced my eating styles by learning about the broader implications of food and um, 
you know, we're very, very lucky to live in America and have access to the food that we have access to. But also the American style of eating is a very specific way that I grew up with. And I grew up in East Texas. Like, I didn't know McDonald's was bad for you for years and years. So, like, learning about food and what is in my food and what is good for me and bad for me was really important for me as I got older. Um so yeah, I really a lot of these books I think are great, and I still will pick them up anytime. Like I love to read a book and be like, "That's bad for me." I'm interested. <laughs> See, I would be more apt to read a book like that instead of like a straight up cookbook. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I I actually love cocktail books like this. One of my favorite cocktail books that I like to recommend to people who are getting into cocktails is The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart. Mm. So it has a, a lot of recipes in it, but for each thing, she goes in the history and botany of each type of spirit. So she'll like instead of like, oh, this is about tequila, like she'll go into what agave is and how tequila is made. I like that. And and then she'll go through. It's great for when you're starting because when you're starting to get into cocktails is all these types of liqueurs and you're like, what the fuck is St. Germain? What is Suze? Like, what is this stuff? What does it taste like? And this book goes into the botany of all of them and like what herbs or spices or flowers or whatever go into each of them so it can give you an idea of what it tastes like what other cocktails it'll go with um it's fantastic um, that kind of stuff i found so find so interesting uh, one of my favorite things i've ever done is we were in Kauai and uh we went and toured a chocolate farm and they told us all about I'm, like I'm how you, make... you came back <laughs> oh i know i i literally was like this is could i this is but here's what i learned hard to make chocolate. Yes. It's actually quite difficult. You have to do the boiling pro- the process is really difficult. And so I had a newfound respect for it. I learned a lot about it, but that kind of like education about what I'm reading, I'm always really interested in like yes. what I'm putting in my body. Oh, that's what I love. And again, there's tons of recipes in there, but it's really cool I think to know about where the yeah. where your booze comes from and like what it is. Uh especially, you know, I think that a lot of alcohol, a lot of alcohol is really gendered and there's a lot of like people who are like, oh, I'm just going to drink this because alcohol is very complicated and you never mm. want to be that person who's like, I don't know what a Chardonnay is. Like, what's right. the fucking difference? No one wants to be that guy at the table. So books like that, books like The Drunken Botanist are fantastic. And I like, I just love it. I'm so interested in like the history and the science and I love learning how booze is made and I love any like author's personal experience with stuff so anything like that but that's like booze adjacent i am fucking here for and so and speaking of other people what's what are some things to keep in mind because cookbooks and cocktail books are a great gift item great gift but there's something some good things to keep in mind when you when you are gifting or recommending things because people are always asking me like oh you what what should i get it what like what cocktail book should i try how should how do i get into cocktails so i'm always really really cognizant of somebody's cocktail skill level when i'm recommending books oh good like i have a lot of great cocktail books there's one um drinking like ladies which is fantastic and has a lot of cool recipes but they all require like a higher level of skill or really fancy ingredients and i mean you've seen my house i have a actual full bar mm-hmm. i have so much booze she and does. when i first bought that book Drinking like ladies, I realized I didn't even have it. I didn't have the ingredients on hand to make literally any single recipe. In the oh book. wow, because it was so complicated. It was so complicated. Yeah. There's one thing I was like, one recipe I could almost make, but I didn't have snow pea, snow pea infused vodka. Oh, it was just like all this stuff. So like, I probably would never gift somebody a book like that unless they were like, like my best friend Lauren got me into cocktails and she's a huge cocktail nerd. I would get her a book like that. Um, and when my ex and I, Alan, were together, he got me a very fancy book cocktail book for Christmas, but every single recipe in it required expensive machines and hardware that I didn't have. I couldn't make anything in the book. Oh, yeah. So I always make sure the books that I'm recommending someone are appropriate for their skill level, have, and not just like the ingredients. Again, like if you looked at that book that Alan got me, it 
the ingredients, some of them weren't that bad, but I didn't have any of the hardware or the yeah. machines to do it. So that's something, especially with cocktails, you know, just keep that in mind. What about, what do you think, Bria? What are your tips? Um, if you're gifting a new cookbook, I would say um, make sure they don't already have it. So I think go with a newer cookbook um, because I often get them as gifts or I buy them myself. So like make sure I'm, I'm always stoked to get a cookbook, but you know, Make sure that uh, that they don't already have it or just get a very new one because I'm probably not going to buy it first thing right when it comes out for the most part. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that cookbooks are kind of exempt from like pre-orders, release parties. Oh, man, new cookbooks out. I don't know if people get as stoked about cookbook releases. I do. Because I follow the, the cookbook authors I like on Instagram and they like talk oh, about it and they will do like parties and stuff. Uh, make sure it has good pictures. Pictures are the key. That's the only reason I want a cookbook. Otherwise, I'll read it off the internet. Like, I want to look at the pictures. Um, I like getting it, looking through it, imagining myself, making those recipes by looking at the recipes. Will it look like that? And then I guess also pay attention to people's diets. Mm -hmm. I, I would welcome almost any cookbook as long as it has, like, you know, I can eat, like, half of it because I'm all about, like, taking a recipe that I can't eat because I have a lot of weird dietary things and uh, converting it to something I can eat. I will do that. I'm always excited to do it. But some people may not. Yeah. So, like, if this person's like, oh, like, make sure, like, oh, did they quit eating red meat or something? Like, don't buy them the, yeah. that butcher block cookbook or whatever the <laughs> fuck. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, like, as long as there's a lot of veg stuff in it, like, I'm always happy to get it. And I will convert those recipes to something else. But... I think other people you should be more careful. But I think skill level is really important too. Yeah. Like, I mean, a complicated book. There's so many really great simple recipe books now. Is because there like I feel the like the bachelor's it's... cookbook, the, the vegetarian bachelor's cookbook for me. Do you know, like, I had open a... this can, put it in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I had a book that I really liked for a long time and I would give to people. I don't know where it is. I, I must have given it away. But it was called uh, Vegan Cooking for One. Sounds sad, but it is. It was quite good, and it, it kind of like also taught you to cook as you went. So it was, was it like, nice to you along the way? Like, yeah, hey, it was like, you're doing great. It's like you're not actually just one. There's you also have me. I'm a book, but you love me. Hi, I'm your friend. Yeah, it's the other day. I guess I should start talking about this because it's part of my life. But now my my boyfriend Jeremy was making dinner at my apartment, and I was like, he was like, okay, well you got to put the raviolis in the water when it's boiling, and I was like, is it boiling now? Is that boiling? <laughs> He's like, no, no matter. That's, that's, that's oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, but there's a bubble. He's like, but there's got to be a lot of bubble. That's that's my level. Of, like, is there a cookbook that's that level of cooking? I'm sure. There's Isn't there a cookbook cooking called how to, how to Boil Water? There's one called like How to Boil Water, which is like a really? real basic cookbook. I think so. Because I will buy the shit out of that. Uh, I know it's a TV program. Sorry. Oh. Um, but I think somebody there are write some real how to boil basic. water, and I will buy it. There's real basic ones for sure. That 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 vegan cooking for one taught me a lot about cooking. Oh, I got I it one summer, it. and I made my way through like the whole thing while I was staying with my mom. Because I probably shouldn't live off of cans of tuna and uh, Trader Joe's brand yeah, knockoff Cheetos. There's worse things. Fair enough. <laughs> so you can send your thoughts on cocktails and cookbooks to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. Before we interview author Sam Slaughter, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back to WKEP at night. Up next, looks like we've got a PSA from local forest ranger, Duck Newton. Do I start now or? Yeah, I lean in, Duck. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, I, I wanted to address the unfortunate situation that, okay, listen, two people, good people that I and a lot of y'all have known our whole lives are dead. Torn to shreds. A by, savage, uh, bloodthirsty 
beast that defies human comprehension. If you'd like to know more, stop by the Cryptonomica, Kepler's premier museum of the macabre. Just off Highway 20. Come on. We just wanted to warn y'all to, to beg you. If you see one of those things out in the forest, don't fight. Don't scream. Run. Run as far as you can. Doc, it's almost midnight. Listen, folks, if you see anything, please go to thelamplighter.org and let us know. And get behind a locked door tonight. Anything else we need to... Oh, they're leaving. Okay, well, that's thelamplighter.org, and stay safe out there, Kepler. So here we are with cocktail author Sam Slaughter. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What are you reading right now? I am reading a lot of different things. Um, I typically start a book and then leave it in like one room of the house and then start another one in another room and they just stay in those rooms. And so if I'm in that room and feel like reading, I, I'll pick that up. Um, and so I, I pulled all of the books together on my desk so that I could see them. I've got The Ministry of Special Cases by Nathan Englander. It's a novel that takes place in Argentina. Um, I've got a book about food and drink called By the Smoke and the Smell by Tad Fogler, uh, which is a lovely travel narrative about booze. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, I've got a, an advanced review copy of a book called The Need by Helen Phillips. It's a kind of out there mystery thriller type of thing. I'm only about 20 pages in, so TBD on what actually happens, um, I've got two more and I promise that I'm done. Uh, I've got this great collection called Gather at the River. It's 25 authors on fishing. Uh, it's edited by a friend of mine, David Joy, and another uh, man I've gotten to meet since then, Eric Rickstad. But it's all, it's about fishing. I don't fish, but I found the essays, poems, stories all interesting. And all of the profits go towards a nonprofit that helps get kids out and fishing and stuff like that. So that's really cool. In the that middle. is a great group. Oh, wait, you have one more? I do have one more. Um, because I, awesome. I spend a lot of time, uh, I go to the gym and we have a sauna there and I read in the sauna because it helps me like stay in there longer or something. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. You bring a book into the sauna? Yes, I get very weird looks, but now usually it's the same crowd of people and they just ignore the the bearded man sitting in the sauna reading a book. But hold on, the book though, it doesn't get soggy? I, I have perfected holding it away from my sweaty face. But the air, it doesn't like make it's the a, pages soggy. It's a dry sauna. I am so fat. Okay, I'm going to let you finish, but I've got more questions later. The The only thing that really happens is depending on what the binding is, uh, usually about halfway through, some of the front pages start falling out. Um, so I stuff them back in and then just pass the book on to one of my friends who will take it no matter what. Uh, but I'm reading Deep Down Dark, which is the untold stories of 33 men buried in a Chilean mine and the miracle that set them free. That is a fantastic group of books. Yeah, I'm happy with them. So can you tell us about your new book? Are you afraid of the dark rum? Sure. It's a it's my first cocktail book, but it's a, a cocktail book that is a, an homage to the 90s. I was born in the late 80s. I grew up in the 90s. And so I I really love the the pop culture of the time. I love the the music, the you know, TV shows, the books, whatever they are, all of that culture partly because obviously I grew up with it. That was the the first sort of touchstones I had for what it was like to grow up as a kid in New Jersey in the 90s in the US. Um, 
but also looking back on it, that whole idea of nostalgia and the the better times, especially in the last few years, how sort of the country, the world has been going, wanting to have something to remember the times that were probably not necessarily great. You know, I was a kid, I didn't realize all the things that were going on. But for me, they were good times because I can remember Rugrats or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Third Eye Blind and not understanding all of the things that happened in Semi-Charm Life because I was 10. (laughs) So do you have a favorite recipe from the book? I do. Yeah. So one of them, it's called Juice Box Iced Tea. And it's a uh, my attempt at making Sips Iced Tea into a boozy cocktail. And so it's bourbon and limoncello and some other stuff. But I grew up drinking those that like really fake lemon flavor and just the, I had them all the time. And so I wanted to make it into a cocktail and I think I did pretty good with it. So what's the skill level required here for the cocktails? Not much skill at all. Um, In the beginning, there is an intro that has uh, the necessary tools that you need it gives you some pointers on what bottles, if you're going to make multiple cocktails, what bottles to pick up. There are a few bottles in there that are one-off. So in one, I use a green chili liqueur. Um, but for the most part, I'm using fairly basic spirits or ingredients. And so if you've never made a drink before, these are all very easy. I think one of them takes more than you know three or four steps. Um, one uses a smoking gun, the title cocktail. Uh, are you afraid of the dark rum is a it's a rum drink where you you smoke it with um, cinnamon but beyond that you're shaking or you're stirring and then you're pouring it into a glass so what was the testing process like for this what what does it take to make up a bunch of your own cocktail recipes Uh, a lot of time and a lot of friends that are willing to try cocktails which when you say free cocktails usually friends will come running so it's really that's useful in that in that respect because i can say I need to try X, Y, and Z. Do you want to come over and drink free things? And they go, of course. Um, But the, a lot of the testing, it started sort of in my own head, thinking about what stuff goes together. So I know I've made enough old fashions. I've made enough whiskey sours to know bourbon goes with X, Y, Z, et cetera. I can build off of that and go, well, what if I did this? Would this work? Would that flavor profile go with this? Or I know that, um, strawberries and mint go together, which is the base for one of the other cocktails in the book, the fresh mint to Bel Air. So I knew those (laughs) things went together and then building out from there, uh, a lot of sort of guessing and testing. And then once I had a basic recipe, I would, you know, obviously make it, try it. And then the tweaking of it was probably what took longer. So do I use half ounce of lemon juice or do I use a quarter of an ounce? What are the benefits of using simple syrup versus honey? All of those sorts of things. And so do you have any cocktail books that you'd like to recommend to people? Yeah, there are a ton. Um, I have a couple that I use as reference all the time. Um, The Bar Book by Jeff Morgenthaler is, it's a book about technique and sort of everything you need to know to make drinks. Uh, It's a really easy read. He goes into a good level of depth. And even if you don't, if you're wanting to pick up bartending, it's a good place to start. Um, Another one would be Liquid Intelligence by Dave Arnold. It's a sort of a higher level look at the art of art and science of craft cocktails. And so if you ever go to a cocktail bar and they're making, you know, a seven or eight ingredient 
thing that will show up in a very nice glass with all of these things. That book sort of breaks down some of that kind of stuff. Um, and then a uh, one that came out recently, uh, last year, two that came out last year. I, I brought all the books and put them on my desk so I didn't forget things. I hope um, you're just sitting on a massive mountain of books right now. <laughs> they are taking over a good portion of my desk. Um, Drinking Like Ladies is a book that came out uh, from my friend Kitty and her her partner, her her writing partner. But it's it's a cocktail book that also looks at lady uh, women throughout history and their impact. Uh, so it's really cool. It is not you know I I learned a lot reading through it, not just cocktails, but you know these these short histories of different people. And then um, the Dead Rabbit came out with a second co- uh, cocktail book. So the Dead Rabbit is one of you know the premier cocktail bars in New York City. Um, they came out with a book called Mixology and Mayhem. And so their menus over the past however many years were graphic novels where they were involving, like they were drawing bartenders from around in and doing things like that. And so the the book is part cocktail recipes, part the entire like graphic novel that they had created. So it's a really interesting take on a cocktail book. That's fantastic. So besides reading in the sauna every day. Tell us about your reading life. Do you have any other reading quirks that you want to share? Um, the, the sauna, I think would be the biggest quirk. Uh, I, even if I'm not working out, I tend to go and sit in the sauna. I know it doesn't do a whole lot, but it gives me some time and space to just like read quietly and sweat a lot. Um, but I, I try and I find myself falling into the same sort of genre every time. And I've been working over, I guess, the last year and a half to try and go beyond that. So outside of food and drink books, which I read for work, for pleasure, um, I find myself reading a lot of grit lit. So that Southern noir sort of very rough and tumble kind of literature. Um, that is my my happy place. So uh, Ron Rash, Harry Cruz, Dorothy Allison, writers like that, Flannery O'Connor, William Falk, that whole sphere of people. Um, and so just trying to find stuff that's not that. So whether it's, uh, writers who are people of color or writing in a genre that I might not necessarily normally read. So sci-fi, whatever, just forcing myself to read outside of what I'm used to. So besides Gritlet, which is the first time I've ever heard that term, and I absolutely fucking love it, uh, what is your reader wheelhouse? Was there any like subjects or tropes that will immediately get you to pick up a book? Um, stuff about the South, usually. Uh, while I am not, I was not born here. I was born in Jersey, like I said, but I've lived a good portion of my life down here. So I, I like the Appalachian Mountains. I like stuff that takes place there. Um, food history books are always going to do it for me. Food or drink history books. I find them fascinating. And then the there are, I guess, like journalistic books. So like the Deep Down Dark, where it's a story, but it's written in a narrative fashion about a specific event, person, whatever. I'm, I get I, I really like those as well. That is awesome. So, Sam, where can we find you online and where can we buy your book? Uh, the, the book is online, uh, amazon.com. Also, I think target and walmart.com. If you just type it in all the different book, um, online bookstores will have it. You can also check out IndieBound to see if your local bookstore has it. Um, I know here in Greenville, South Carolina, where I live, two of the places in town have it, which is really cool. And then as far as me, 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Slaughter Rights. So that's W-R-I-T-E-S. Um, but that would be the account across all of the social media, fairly active on Twitter and Instagram both. So that would be the best place. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Kelsey writes in, Hi, so I recently moved to Austin and go to a lot of cool author and book events now. Yay. I am always worried about what to wear to these events because I don't have anything that clearly screams book nerd to authors and audience members when I attend. Looking back at my pictures, I literally wear my one and only hella cool shirt to every event, which is a which is black with a simple pic of General slash Princess Leia with the word rebel underneath. So my question is twofold. You both have cool book events to attend slash lead. So do you have a certain favorite look you go for? Or do other people think way less about this than me? And do you have recs for where to find good book merch? Obviously, the Reading Glasses Max Fun store is the first stop. And I will say I have met Kelsey in person at one of my Austin event. And she definitely looks cool and bookish. And I would have talked to her regardless. Kelsey, I think you're doing great. Bria, what should Kelsey do? First, you should be friends with my friend Cassandra. It's true. She goes to book they events. They were both at my event. I should have introduced them. They both go to book events in Austin. Um, and she dresses really cool. Cassandra does dress really cool. This is what I think about anytime you go to an event. Anything. Anything you go to. A stand-up, an improviser, author, anything. That person wore that outfit knowing you were going to see it. Yeah. Which is always, sometimes, very funny. Mm-hmm. Or very interesting. Like, yep. they, they picked out that outfit for you to see them in. Um, so, yeah. I always dress up a little bit. To let people know, I'm taking this very seriously. Um... Like, about 10 years ago, my friend Nisha looked into my closet and saw that all I had hung up, no, probably longer than 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, all I had hung up was uh, various white ribbed tank tops. And she was like, wow, this is like the nicest thing you own. And my life has really changed since then. I've come I know, a long you've way. stepped it up. I still am wearing a tank top today. A you do love tank a tank top. I do love a tank top. Um, but... I now own a lot of professional cool clothes, and I think about it when I'm going places. I like people to know I'm taking an event seriously. If you're doing, a, even if I'm in the audience, if I if you're doing a play or something, I dress up because I'm like, you're like motherfucker. I'm here to talk about books. You did an event. I'm going to wear something cute and let you know I am here to participate in the event that you're doing. And like, I want people to know that I took the time to put on a nice clean shirt, or at least. Um, I think graphic tees are great. But I, I definitely now I'm at this point where I'm doing a lot of like vintage blazers, collared shirts. You love a Peter Pan collar. I love a Peter Pan collar. I'm kind of moving away from it though. I'm kind of moving more into just regular collars. It looks like some button ups. I mean, I'm almost forty. I like I'm like trying to go into like this is like what I'm wearing. But I like to look cool, but like a little slightly professional. Um, my friend Cassandra, again, you should be friends. Uh, sent me an article on Medium about a look called Toddler Grandma, which I feel like is pretty all. It's all the rage in the book community. Think about it. It's like fun. Like prints, tights, cardigans, headbands. If you look up Toddler Grandma, we'll put a link to this Medium article. It ta- it's a really interesting article because it's about basically how being – it's kind of a sexless look and how that's sort of transgressive. Interesting. And I think it's very popular in the bookish community. Like when I look around, I see a lot yeah. of women in like – in the Peter Pan collar, in the tights, like with like – People in the bookish community do like a like a bright – bright colors and prints like Prince. Sarah Kuhn yeah or like our, a, um, yeah she always is dressed like really our friend cute. Jill Grunenwald is always wearing extremely cute flats and dresses and, and cardigans kind of vintage inspired yeah. um, anyway that's a long tangent um, this is important stuff yeah listen I think anytime you're wearing a t-shirt that has something good, good, cool on it or a bag with something good on it go go buy that stuff go buy it at a convention that's a great way to buy to like support 
authors, support people, reading glasses stuff, obviously, as well. But I think it's it's okay to think about what you're wearing to a thing because you're trying to make friends, especially if you just move there. Like, it's good to wear, like, or carry around a book or something, you know, or carrying something to make friends. (laughs) Like, carry around a giant banner that says, I like books. Exactly. No, I mean, like, 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 if you're going to a book talk and you're trying to make a friend there, I think it's good. It's okay to carry around a book. Maybe not the book of that book talk, but another yeah. book, and you can start a conversation for sure. But I think clothes. I think people pay attention to clothes more than we want to admit that we. Oh, people absolutely do. Yeah. Even if you're like, I am transgressive and wear these clothes, you've made that choice. Yeah. Like there is no, there's no, there's not a, there's not a not choice with clothes. You've still made a choice about clothes. People put those clothes on for you to see. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. So, well, Kelsey, Kelsey, as we just said, I totally fucking think about this. I think about this all the time. It's funny because right now, like when I am as a work from home person, most of the time I just look like someone's dirtbag college boyfriend. (laughs) I'm a big fan of uh, jeans and cut off metal shirts. But when I go out, uh, my uh, I love looking bookish. Uh, Like when I'm doing an author event, I'm trying to I'm like I'm in my professional author look, which I do the same thing. I'm like, I want to be taken seriously. So it's most but it's kind of like goth librarian. Sure. Yeah. I love a like a black blazer Mm -hmm. um, with like a, you know, a horror shirt underneath it or something. But I I love the blazer big into that. I think that is even if you aren't on stage wearing a blazer over a T-shirt is like, I'm cool and nerdy. Yeah. Yeah, and and like uh, I take it seriously. I'm yes. taking this thing seriously. And I definitely when I t- attend book events, like if I'm going to like the LA Times Festival of Books or an author reading or something, I definitely think about what I'm wearing because I want to make cool book friends. Yeah, and I, l- I love striking up conversation with cool people, so I love wearing book shirts, uh, which I mostly get from out of print tees. I can put a link mm-hmm. in the show notes or bookstores. Like a lot of indie bookstores have really cool merch. I have, I think I have a book uh, T-shirt from almost every bookstore in Los Angeles. Oh wow! And that's really fun to like to wear around and like it's you know so if you don't want to especially if you're out of town yes I think that's cool because then people are like oh LA because if someone's wearing something like from Texas or something I'm always like are you from Texas like it makes me so excited yes or if you're like if I'm around LA and I'm wearing a skylight bookshirt someone's like someone could be like oh I love that that mm-hmm. that that store or if you're at a book event and you wear a bookstore shirt again someone could be like oh I love that bookstore that's really cool and then you can start talking and like oh it's in my neighborhood we should be friends uh, and so out of print tees are all like vintage covers of books I think I have almost every single one they have for horror. I think I have all their Shirley Jacksons, uh, and I love them so much. Uh, I also recommend if you don't, if you want to like, you don't want to wear a graphic tee, getting a cool book tote is mm-hmm, a great mm-hmm. way to show off your bookishness. Mm-hmm. That is like not like not clothes. If you want to dress like a toddler grandma and mm-hmm. have a book tote that has like a cool like quote from an author you love or pictures of books or from again you can get it at a cool get it at a bookstore uh, and book pins are another great way to do this uh, on your jacket or on your bag or on your collar. Uh, out of print has tons of them. You can I mean you can find enamel pins basically everywhere. Yeah. Very popular these days. Etsy, bookstores, conventions, all that stuff. Like, And you could get – I've seen really cool book pins that are like covers of classic books. So like um, the Mysterious Galaxy bookstore where we did our uh, Lady from the Black Lagoon event in San Diego. They have a bunch of pins of like Lord of the Rings, Dune. And like you could be like, oh, look, I'm a cool genre person. (laughs) And I'm also cool because I'm wearing enamel pins. Uh, so there's, I think there's a lot of really cool ways to do this. You just got to find out what works for you. But don't worry. Like most likely, almost everybody else around you is thinking the same thing. And I, I think it's a. I think we talked about this very 
in like a long time ago when we were doing our book friends episode of like wearing something bookish to make more book friends. Oh, we did a whole book fashion episode. Oh, God. Yeah. With Sarah Kuhn. Yeah. So fashionable. That's Sarah Kuhn. She is. Uh, so, yes, try, t- we'll put links in the show notes to the stores we were talking about. But those are Kelsey. Keep keep us updated. We want to know how this is working out for you. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to make bookish friends and look sexy and strike up cool conversations, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. You can have a tote bag on your reading glasses podcast T-shirt and you could be reading a book with your reading glasses bookmark in it. So many things extremely so many cool. things to show how cool you are uh and it helps us pay for our bills and feed our cats uh and there's a link in the show notes for that and if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes it's really great for us helps us reach more listeners and you can email us at reading glasses at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.